Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is our 391st show of ROI, and our guest for today is Gerda Preston Hartman, Director of the Mines of Spain Recreational Area, and we're going to be talking about the Mines of Spain Recreational Area. Our history bus for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Sapsapital. And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. This is the opening segment of our show called History is Local. And today we'll be talking about the Mines of Spain Recreation Area with its director, Director, excuse me, Gerda Preston Hartman. Welcome to the show, Gerda. Hello. I'm glad to be on your show today. I'm glad you asked me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, can you give us and our listeners a little background on the history of the Mines of Spain area? Like, for one, its location. Okay, I'd be glad to. Uh, we're located up here in uh, Dubuque, Iowa, uh, five miles south of Dubuque. And it's the state recreation. It contains about uh, 1,515 acres. Uh, we're very proud of the area. I've lived here my whole life, and my family owned about uh, 800 acres here, uh, about 600 in the park today. And I'm on Iowa's second oldest farm uh, back to 1835. So I'm familiar with the area. That's my playground. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's quite a lineage there. I have had the wonderful privilege of uh, taking a bike. I've done Tomarov that goes through the mines of Spain. Would you tell our listeners about the marvelous terrain? Oh, it's gorgeous. We're along the Mississippi River, and we're uh, located up here on the bluffs. Uh, we have uh, plenty of entrances down uh, by the river. Uh, we have canoe, kayaking. Uh, but our trails, oh man, our trails are beautiful. We've got almost 21 miles of trails now. And uh, I can say that I've been on every one of them this year except for one. And I'm going to do that before the end of the year. Uh, Junior Buick's grave is located on the park. Uh, that monument is just gorgeous. It's Gothic style. Uh, this one was built in 1897 by the Settlers Association. I can say one of my grandfathers helped build that. This is uh, the outstanding landmark. Uh, our family cemetery is on the park. But um, the most impressive thing is the surface mine pits because this was mineral grounds. There's two great big areas of the park known on the old maps as mineral grounds. We had the Native Americans. Uh, working more shallow and, and cave crevices, the Native American women did that. Julian Dubuque came here in uh, 1788 uh, from uh, out of Quebec, Canada, Trice Rivers, on the banks of the St. Lawrence. Um, he came downriver. He was uh, interested in minerals and fur trading, so that's what brought him here. Uh, but he made friends with the Native Americans and uh, won their respect. Now, I know everybody's going to want to know how we come up with that name, Mines of Spain, so long ago. Well, Julian Dubuque uh, had a contract with the Native Americans, but he didn't feel that that was a strong enough contract when he was doing all the mining. And so he went down to Louisiana, got 
uh, in touch with the uh, governor down there, the Spanish governor, and got a legal document, and so he named it the Mines of Spain. So that's uh, how we got our name here. All right. So, uh, do you have any questions at this time you want to ask me? Uh, Jay's going to ask you one now. Fact. <laughs> um, so I was interested, having looked at, at some of the history, um, I thought it was it was fascinating kind of how all of this sort of sorted out. Can you kind of walk us through how the, um, the usage of the area uh, changed and, and the ownership changed as time went by, um, you know, in, in terms of, of uh, you know, there was a mining operation here as well. Can you kind of just talk a little bit about that? Yes. I dwell a lot on the Native American culture. Uh, they've been here since, you know, 8,000 years ago. I, I want to give them credit for all that they have done and protected it. Uh, then, of course, the white settlers came, which my ancestry is one of the earliest, in, you know, settlers here, um, and how we had to take the prairie and turn it into a workable uh, areas to plant. Uh, that was hard, uh, really hard. And uh, they had to have about six to eight oxen to pull this plow. But they could... A person did do this, and so they would hire this person. He would keep uh, going around the area. Okay, that's the early part. Lots of uh, native plants, uh, wildlife, lots of uh, sustainable plants that they could, you know, the berries and all the native things. Okay, then the mining hit about... Um, 1840, it really picked up because the mines over in Yorkshire, England, were closing due to uh, running out of their ore. And so we got them here in shiploads. Uh, my ancestor was a chemist and a mineralogist and surveyor, so that's how he ended up here. Uh, he was asked to come to Mineral Point, Wisconsin, to erect a copper furnace and uh, the land became free over here to uh, take out mining claims. So, uh, okay, that's the history of the settlement area. Okay, as it went uh, along, then the dairy farms appeared. And so the mines of Spain today were uh, a cluster of about five dairy farms in that 1,515 acres. Also, when you're walking on the trails, uh, we try to point out where some of the farms were located. Uh, we're still here, so ours is still here in, in sight, you know. So anyway, uh, then uh, the farms uh, over my period of time was all farms, with uh, thrashing, I'm old enough to have seen all this and the use of horses. Uh, uh, then, uh, one gentleman ended up purchasing all this land. On did they come up for sale? And he make a, 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 a what I forget what you call, but anyway, he made the uh, the, the closed bid, and uh, he ended up with most of it. So by 1980, uh, this land was so with so much history 
and and everything and be owned by one person, the state of Iowa saw how important it was that they acquire this for a park system. And so 1980 was when the deal was made and when all this land became the recreation area. I myself, a farm girl, and the researcher, and I'm always interested in this kind of thing, especially when it was an area where I grew up, uh, I came fascinated with it, but I, I was on archaeology digs, and I was uh, with plant study, uh, caving. I caved all my life. Uh, I was a part of that, and all of a sudden we got, little by little, we got so many people interested in it, and Oh, my gosh, over the years now, since 1980, uh, the Mines of uh, Spain has an office at E.B. Lyons Nature Center, which is closer. It's in town, but right along the property uh, with a hiking trail. Um, when you come, uh, the Nature Center is usually open. But with the pandemic, we had to close it. Uh, it's sad because there you could have... Uh, Look the territory over and decide what hiking trails you want to take or just anything about the park with the, the rangers there and the volunteers there. I'm sorry to say that it's not open uh, today, but, oh, man, we have so many people now with the pandemic coming to the parking lots and exploring, and they just think it's beautiful here. All right. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. In times of joy, in moments of grief, broadcasters come through even when all else fails. Today, with more ways than ever to experience the moments that transform our lives, Americans still choose broadcast radio and television more than all other media combined. We are the local broadcasters of radio and television, reaching more people, touching more lives. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Gerda Preston Hartman, Director of the Mines of Spain Recreation Area, and we're going to be talking about the Mines of Spain Recreation Area. Our history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. Brett, why don't you start us off? Can do. So you talked uh, at the end of the last segment about being involved in some archaeological digs in the area. So what kind of um, stuff have people dug up? Okay, um, I've been on all the digs but one. Um, we did it extensively in 1983 where we dug for six weeks straight. Um, the, like I said before, the oldest projector point was 8,000 years ago. Now, we did have civilization here 10,000 years ago with the Miamians, uh, but uh, we found just a real nice uh, assortment of things on the ground. 
Oh, you got to realize when you're doing archaeology, you can also find the settlement, the historical period. If it's 50 years ago, anything past there is histo- historical. So if we was doing any of the homesteads or whatever, no, we had prime territory because we had an Indian uh, campgrounds down by the river, right under uh, Julian Dubuque's grave. And there we found a lot of interesting things, like maybe broken uh, arms off of porcelain dolls. We found some trading tokens and and uh, the regular um, projectile points. Um, uh, I have to extend uh, my wonderful um, array of of artifacts that I have here. You know, I live right next to the park, so um, I myself have found enough that I do programs, and I have found all the periods of archaeology from the Paleo, uh, six to eight thousand years ago, to Arcade, three to five thousand years ago, and the, the later woodlands. So uh, it's really interesting here because we had all the Native American culture. Uh, the digs were, we just never knew what we were going to find. We dug a lot of the rock shelters, uh, and we dug in the middle of fields. We dug in the, in the wooded area. But um, it was really a, a really good experience. In fact, I put in so many hours and passed my test and worked hard with the state of Iowa to get certified in two divisions. So it opened my life to all this uh, fun things. Uh, and people would come in every week. There'd be new diggers uh, that worked with the archaeologists. So, uh, we're on the National Register of Historic Places, by the way. Um, it wasn't just the archaeology material that we found, but like I said, the historical added the rest. Of, they need all of that, the whole history to get on the National Register. We're so proud of that. Um, so, yeah, the arch- and caving, uh, caving, the early uh, people, the one mineral grounds is on is a, on cave network where uh, they could get in and go on different leads underground. Um, I want to stress, if you're a really rugged hiker, we do not have a trail to the mine pits. You'll see a few of them on the regular trails, but there's, like I said, the mineral grounds are loaded with the mine holes. Um, there's uh, 320 on one hillside alone and 144 adjoining that right over the river that you can look down uh, from above. And so they're filled today. It looks like the crater of the moon. Uh, They're filled because, in my case, my family filled them so that when they raised their animals, they were not falling in all of these minerals. They were open mines, and there's still a few of them that's wide open that you can walk right into. Uh, I don't like to stress that because <laughs> you don't know where they're at like I do. But uh, um, anyway, on my, on my f- uh, folks' farm here, we have two that are still open that was dug later. But um, the mining, oh, man, Dubuque is the uh, mining capital. Uh, we had so much mining going on here, and 
I'm also a tour guide for the city, by the way, so I um, am very interested in the Shot Tower in Dubuque. But, um, but anyway, it's archaeology is very fun. Okay, uh, very Terry, fun. you got a question? Um, yes, Gerda. If it's my first time to come, are there like a self-guided uh, tours or are they are there tour guides to help us navigate some of these 21 miles of hiking trails or cross-country ski trails? What would I uh, should what should I begin with? Uh, we do not have any guided. Uh, I used to do that. <laughs> I'm 80 years old now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when people go to E.B. Lyons Nature Center, make that their first stop. If you have any questions that there was a Pacific Trail you wanted to see something on that trail they would advise you right now it's kind of shut down i personally if you would ever come here uh, to the south parking lot which is off of the highway 52 south and old massey road that's why i live right at the entrance um i could you know if i was home i would be glad to give some advice uh the trails are like um, the trailheads will tell you, like at the picnic grounds. Uh, uh, okay, we have the the best hiking trail. If you was going to come on the weekend, uh, you or any day that you have a day free, come to the quarry area. That's uh, just by the picnic table area, which is about halfway on Mines of Spain Road. Once you get in the park, it's about halfway through the park, uh, there's a quarry there, and there's a parking lot there. Uh, That is beautiful for the first-time hiker because you can park your car. You have a little bit of woodland to walk through. You have a blind that you can look out on some of our uh, water when the river's high. We have a little bit more in the marshes. You can see the wildlife. You'll see the river, and you'll walk into the what used to be the quarry on Horseshoe Bluff, gorgeous, just gorgeous. You walk through into the quarry, and then you'll climb some steps, and then you'll climb up halfway up the bluff on these nice steps, and then you can walk around on this little landing up there in the middle of the bluff, and when you come up all the way up out of there, then you're up on top, and you can look up and down the river, and then you can just come back down uh, a different way, right back down to your parking lot. So that's uh, about an hour. If you want to go to E.B. Lyons Nature Center, you can't get in the center, but all that trail there is awesome. Uh, Pine Chapel, that's uh, an old farm, gentleman farm from um, Otto Junkerman who came from Germany and decided he was going to make that his little gentleman farm. First thing he puts up is the chapel, so we take good care of that. Uh, it will have a a little root cellar. It has a wine cellar, and and it's got one mine shaft, <laughs> and so that's a cute one that you can do in an hour also. So these are little things if you're just coming for a short walk, or you can go on Eagle Scout Trail. Is our south one, and that one is by me, uh, the first entrance on the south end, the one I just explained. The other entrance comes out of Dubuque, and it's the north entrance, and you navigate a couple streets. 
and cross the road tracks to get on it. Uh, that's the north entrance. Uh, if you just want to go up to see the the monument, a lot of people come in that way. But um, it's not real easy because the center is not in an area you're going to have to get back in your car and drive a couple miles to decide which entrance you want to go to. But, oh, uh, the entrance is uh, just from there, that point. You can, you're can you real close to a couple of the trails. Uh, but I tell you, it's the, another nice trail is where you put your canoe and kayak in, and that's Catfish Creek there, and that's the Catfish Creek Trail. If you've got a couple hours to spend, you're going to probably go uh, about two and a half miles if, if you make the circle. Uh, that's some uh, hill climbing. It's level, and you climb some more. Uh, there's seating along the way. Uh, that's taking you to a, through a nice part of the timber. Okay. Um, I'd like to sit there and say my experience was, which was marvelous, on my bike... Uh, I didn't really pay a lot of attention because you're riding from Dubuque all the way down to Preston. And then you get into the trail, and it's 751 feet up. And so you're going, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? And then when you turn to the top and you look at the view, it's simply breathtaking beyond belief. But then you have to go 71, 751 feet down. And I must admit, there were some kamikazes, guys that could go down about 40 miles an hour. Mine was, my brakes were smoking. And then when you got to the bottom, it was, an, it was a stage left turn that if you did it wrong, you were dead. But uh, that is part of the tra- Tomahawk ride forever, and the beauty is unparalleled. It is. It is. Jay, you got a question? Yeah. Um, we're coming to the end of our second segment here, so I felt we needed to talk a little bit about Julian Dubuque uh, before we left. Um, he is the first uh, European settler uh, on what is Iowa soil. Can you talk to us a little bit about Julian's... Um, interaction with the uh, with the Native Americans who are here, and then a little bit about where he's buried and the Julian Dubuque Monument and how that kind of came into being. Okay. Um, he came here, and uh, we don't know exactly how he was uh, accepted by the Native Americans because they were keeping everybody else out. Julian Dubuque uh, pulled a really... Uh, <laughs> stunt on the Native Americans. He came with eight uh, other uh, Frenchmen from Quebec, and uh, he had some kerosene in the canoe. Uh, he had them pour some kerosene on uh, Catfish Creek, and uh, he made sure that they were all watching. I, we don't know exactly what he was uh, saying or anything, but all of a sudden, uh, he lit it, and here they had fire on water, <laughs> and that uh, is the saying of how he really won over their graces uh, for doing something like that. But um, he he treated them with respect. Uh, they worked together. Uh, uh, Julian Dubuque, uh, I, I don't know how how he won such respect but when he died in March of of eighteen ten they put up a, a a burial for him. It was a little uh, short little structure. Uh, it was a uh, stone and it had a, a a lead door 
and it had a window because they could look in. But I was just going over everything. There's so many different uh, stories on doing Dubuque. Um, he did get married. For years, we thought, we didn't know for sure if he married uh, Petosa, which who was the daughter of of uh, uh, Chief Piasta. But I, I personally have her necklace. Uh, my cousins do. It's out in California. My uh, great-great-grandmother had it, and she gave it to a relative, her daughter, out in California when they went to the gold fields. But anyway, it's agate and gold, and it belonged to her. Um, okay, uh, he died. Uh, both of them died wealthy. He lived um, in Dubuque. Uh, he had a, a regular frame house. He read a lot, so he had lots of books when he died. But there was there was uh, a lot of problems with his uh, ownership of of the lands. Uh, there was a big lawsuit that went on to 1853 on exactly about these mines in Spain areas because we're talking a hundred. We're talking 21 miles along the river and nine miles inland. So this included the whole city of Dubuque, and no one had a title to their land until after this lawsuit that had ended in 1853. So, but Julian Dubuque was uh, was known as a good person. Now that monument that you see today is the second one, and it's Gothic style, and it's like uh, 16. No, it's not 16. Nine, nine feet high. Anyway, um, you want to see that if you come to the mines of Spain. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a gate in the front. A Julian Dubuque's in there, buried his wife, Petosa, and another Native American. Uh, so there, they were laid to rest in there with a big celebration of a couple thousand people back in 1897 on the 31st of October. Now, we had a big deal when it was 100 years, but uh, we just didn't have that many people come to celebrate. It was kind of sad because okay. uh, we set up for thinking there would be maybe, you know, a lot of people show up. Okay. Uh, Gerda, uh, we're going to sit there and have you talk to us about why the Mines of, of Spain Recreation Area is re- relevant in today's world in our podcast version. So uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. 
This concludes our 391st show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show titled Kayla's Theme was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Gerda Preston Hartman, Director of the Mines of Spain Recreation Area. We've been talking about the Mines of Spain Recreation Area. Our history buffs for today were Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers, and sticks and stones cannot hurt my co-host. Good night.